Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. Well, that's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10X. There's a quick application there and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks guys. Talk to you soon. 
Hey, this is John Strzelecki, author of The Cafe on the Edge of the World. And if you want to unlock better relationships in your life, you should be listening to the Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chappell. Welcome to the show. I'm Travis Chappell, and I chat with some of the world's top business influencers, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs in order to crack the code of networking. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know, and that your relationships ultimately determine the person that you become. So if you want to learn the new way of connecting, if you want to fill your network with quality people and skyrocket your results, then you're in the right place because this is the Build Your Network Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Build Your Network. Today, I'm sitting down with John Strelecki. John is a number one best-selling inspirational author. His books have been translated into over 42 languages and sold more than 6 million copies worldwide. They've won Bestseller of the Year awards five times and collectively spent more than 800 weeks on bestseller lists, including more than 250 weeks in the number one spot. John's entry into the world of writing began following a life-changing experience when he was 33 years old. And from that, he was inspired to sit down and tell the story shared in his first book, The Cafe on the Edge of the World. Within a year after its release, word-of-mouth support from readers had spread that book across the globe, inspiring people on every continent, including Antarctica, and it has been a number one bestseller in multiple countries. John went on to write many other books, including two sequels to Cafe on the Edge of the World, The Big Five for Life series of books, and more. When he isn't writing, John is often outdoors in his kayak, riding a surfboard, playing beach volleyball, or traveling the world with his family. The longest adventure was a year-long backpacking trip to see animals in the wilds of Africa, Malaysia, and Australia. John, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Love, absolutely love the bio there. Can't wait to get into some awesome stuff with you. Thanks, Travis. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. I've been looking forward to this interview for weeks, actually. So it's funny because when, you, when you're doing different interviews and you know who you're going to be talking to, and some of them just sort of leap out at you. And I've been a fan of your show for a long time. And uh, so I've been really looking forward to this interview. So thanks. Well, thank you so much for saying that. I really appreciate that. Well, let's go ahead and dive into the story here, John. We obviously left a pretty big cliffhanger about what the big life-changing moment was. So let's get to that. But first, before that, let's go pre-33 years old and talk about young John. Talk to me, you know, 11, 12 years old. What was John Strelecki up to at that point? You know, what part of the world were you in? What were your parents doing? Those types of things. Absolutely. And, and I want to I throw one question your way before I jump into that. I was listening to the, the interview you did with Karen Golden. And uh, you guys got on a topic talking about parenting. And so before I forget, because I've been thinking about this for weeks now, love the fact that you're such a passionate dad and your enthusiasm and focus on being a great dad. And so I thought to myself, if I could just get five minutes with Travis and we were just sitting, hanging out somewhere to beach wherever, and he asked me the question, what have you learned being the father of a daughter? Hmm. And so I wrote down the most important things I've learned either from my own experiences or from others. And so if at any time during the course of our shared collective time together, that's a place you want to go. I just wanted to throw that out there and make that available. I mean, I, I've done this before in the past where I've said, yes, let's do that. And then totally forgot to come back to it later or just flat out ran out of time. So before we move on into the question that I asked you originally, yeah, I, I want to hear it, man. My, I, I don't know if you even know this, but as of this recording, my daughter is due in a week from tomorrow. So this will be very, very good timing for me, actually. Fantastic. Well, so do you want to start there? Let's do it. Nope. All right, let's do it then. Because really, I, when I think of the context of what it is you do and, and the great work that you're doing as it relates to relationships and networking, and I think without a doubt, one of the most important relationships you'll ever have is with your kids. And uh, so here you are poised to become the, the father of a daughter. So here they are. 
So when I, when I learned I was going to be a dad of a daughter, I was thinking to myself, all right, so who knows the secret sauce here? And so I asked every woman that I really respected and, and admired. And I said, what's the most important things your dad ever did with you, shared with you, et cetera. And so from all of that in my own life experiences, here's some very specific things that have really rocked my world. So number one, super short, but really important. Every time I walk into her space from the time that I literally brought her home, the, you know, the day that she was, was born, I smile. Even if it's two in the morning and she's crying and I'm dog tired because it's my time to feed her. But I just wanted her to know that I was so happy that she chose to be my kid. And so I literally would take a conscious moment, take a deep breath outside her room, put a smile on my face, and then go in no matter what time of day it was, no matter what she was going through. Love that. And that changed, I think, it's a fantastic way to set the context for the relationship. Second thing, every single woman that I talked to said, make sure you do your very best to build her self-confidence. Because as a woman, there's going to come a time when she's got a jerk of a boss, maybe, or some guy tries to take you know, advantage of her, or whatever the case is. And her degree of self-confidence is such a key part of being a woman. And I said, well, what's the key to that? And they said, you know, that starts from ground zero. You got to build it from ground zero. And I remember just a very quick story. She was like two years old. And I'll tell you how this came into being with our adventure days. But we were at this place at a big reflection pond, and she was walking on the edge of this reflection pond. And, you know, two, they just sort of toddle along, right? They're not like super balanced, et cetera. But I had to change the clothes in the bag with me. And, and if she fell in, it was only two feet. The worst is I'm four feet away. I just grab her and pull her out. And the, honestly, Travis, the people around me were freaking out that I was letting my kid walk along this edge. But these are like the small things that build that self-confidence. Mm. And when we, you mentioned in my bio, the trip of backpacking around the world, we did that when she was just four and a half or five years old. And one of my favorite memories is we're in Africa. And when you're transitioning between one park and another, there's these huge gates. And so after watching me do a couple of these gates at five, she said, dad, can I be the one to open the gate? Right. <laughs> and I just, it's funny. I think it starts with the small things and builds from there. But I think building that self-confidence in your kid, is just one of the best things. And I'll share one more with you. And then we'll go on to whatever you want to talk about. But the, one of the most common themes I heard was build traditions. And uh, I remember a friend of mine told me that she was like five or six years old, sitting at the breakfast table with her dad. She didn't really have a great relationship. And she actually said to him, I like mommy, but I don't like you. <laughs> and yeah, I know. Imagine that, right? And she said, you know, like he was just working all the time and they just didn't have any kind of bond. And so he said, Patty, he said, would you help me pick out my tie today? And so she went into his room and picked out the tie that he was going to wear. And no matter what she picked, he put on. And this went on for years and years. Now, my friend was sharing this with me. She's in her early 50s. I kid you not, Travis. She's telling me the story. It brought tears to her eyes. And so that was something that I implemented very early on with something called Adventure Days, where mm -hmm. twice a week, pack up a backpack, pack up the diaper bag, snacks, and off we would go, just the two of us to go do something together. And we still do it today. And my daughter's 13. So... I think it's one of the greatest adventures you're about to be on. I'm so excited for you and for your entire family. And I just wish you the absolute best of luck with it. Well, man, I uh, feel like that's that's all the time we got today, everybody. So thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, that was that was such a, a great way to start this episode. I appreciate you bringing that up, John, because yeah, I mean, like, you, like, like we were just talking about, this is at the very forefront of my mind at this point in time. So definitely worth spending a few minutes at the beginning to, to, uh, to build some context there. So now let's get into a little bit more of your story 
and uh, start off with uh, that original question, which was 11, 12-year-old John. Talk to me about those circumstances. Yeah, you know, so I was was not really a super confident kid. I was an athlete. I was good in sports. I was good in school, but didn't really have the the swagger, I guess, that it takes to be really good at those things. Uh, Kind of doubted where my place was in the world. Came from a lower middle class family, money was tight. And uh, I realized that early on. So I started working when I was very young. I started working when I was 12 wow. and uh, physical labor jobs. So like carrying concrete blocks and you know painting houses and construction work, because you can't really get a legit job when you're only 12, but yeah. people will hire you for all that stuff. And, and I'm not a huge guy. So that kind of physical work is you know very demanding, et cetera. And I don't regret it from the standpoint that I learned to have a tremendous work ethic. And it's interesting being a parent. We're just starting this show talking about parenting. When I think about my daughter and would I want her to go through that? No, but at the same time, I think the life experiences I've had have come about because I have such a strong work ethic. Yeah. You know, so that's, and I know from your story talking about, you know, door to door and the hard work that you've done over the years, it's like, man, that's such an interesting trade-off of where do you give your kids a tremendous opportunity and yet at the same time, teach them these life skills that you know are critical. Yeah, that's, that's very true. And it sounds like you had the opportunity to do that from a young age, which has obviously affected your ability to produce for yourself beyond what the traditional way of producing might look like. Being able to travel the world and write books for a living is obviously a life a lot of people want. And I think that if you probably, if you didn't have that experience of being a self-starter and pushing yourself to work at ages like that, I, I, just, I just don't see that that would translate as well into adulthood. But maybe you can speak into that a little bit better. No, I think you're totally right. And that's, there's always a yin and yang to so many aspects of life. And maybe that's one of the biggest takeaways as it relates to fulfilling your life purpose and living the life that you most want to live is when you're in the midst of something that doesn't feel great to be able to ask the question, well, what am I learning from this? When, when things would happen to me and I was quit, a, quit in the down space of life, I'd be like, wait, you know, I'm a good guy. I'm doing good things. And this negative thing just happened. Why, why is this happening to me? You know, and I would have sort of that victim mentality, that frustration mentality. And it's understandable given sometimes the way life throws you a huge curveball. At the same time, I've discovered at this point, being on the planet as long as I have, that if you can ask the question, and you can even use the same same words, but ask it from a different context, huh, I wonder why this is happening, you know, and, and try and approach it from the standpoint of what can I learn from this moment? What can I gain from this? And that changes the game. I didn't have that awareness back then. I think more than anything else, what I was probably doing was running away from the things that I didn't dig. And I didn't have the awareness to know that even better than running away from what you don't like is running towards something that you really want. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a 
a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Yeah, got it. So what point now along your, let's say, high school years, did you start trying to figure out what you wanted? Like, did you was it in the cards for you to end up going to college or was that never an option or was that the only option? Talk to me about the decision post high school and how that led into you know the initial part of your career. Right. So I'm the poster child for picking a career incorrectly. I saw the movie Top Gun and I thought to myself, well, that looks amazing. You know, wouldn't that be spectacular to be flying those kind of machines and pushing yourself to greatness and you know, as a general rule, everybody, if you're listening, choosing a career off of a Hollywood movie, not probably the <laughs> way to go about it. But so I decided to do that. And because I, I really didn't know what else I wanted to do. I really was very clueless in that regard. And so I did. I went to a school in Daytona Beach called Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University, which specializes in aviation. And I uh, went there uh, to get my degree. And luckily, I was an athlete and have been an athlete my whole life. And, and I was always a little worried that I'd get hit playing basketball, something in the eye, something that would sort of screw up my aviation career. And so I got a background degree in business. And it was a good thing because although I pursued the aviation thing when I was 21, I had a chance to jumpstart my career by 10 years through an internship I did uh, with United Airlines. And uh, unfortunately, when I went back for the final interview to be an actual pilot for United, I found out I had a heart condition that nobody had ever diagnosed before. And the bizarre thing, Travis, in terms of life, like life kicking you in a direction that you don't fully expect to go. So this condition only impacts one out of 100,000 people. And it really only matters if you want to be a pilot or an astronaut. And I had it. Wow. So that's the double, the double whammy right there in, in a really bad way is one in 100,000 people have it. But even the people who do have it usually wouldn't be affected by it because the odds of them wanting to be an astronaut or a pilot would be also really small. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm right. pretty sure I could have won the lottery three times over with the odds <laughs> against that. Right. Yeah. So, so what, what do you do from there, John? How do, how do you move forward? I mean, it was a very tough year after that because, uh, like I said, I was expecting to be on the fast track with the airlines and I'd worked right. so hard. I mean, I'd worked since I was 12 years old. Every single penny had been invested in that dream. And I just thought this is completely unfair. You know, I didn't know what I was going to do. I was talking to my neighbor and he said, maybe you should consider going back to school. That didn't sound like such a great idea to me. Um, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. How old are you now at this time? 22, I guess. Okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I didn't know what I was going to do, but I thought, well, I'll work for a while. And I'd worked for a couple of years. And he said, really, I think you should go back. And so I was working at a place called Northwestern University, just doing a crummy accounting job that I hated. It was not a good fit for me. And so because I was already at the university, I thought I would apply to their business school. And so I did. And uh, I took the GMAT and the rest of the exams. And I got a letter in the mail saying, thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> and I was like, wow, this just could not get any worse. Thank you very much. Yeah. 
Right. But there was a little clause in the letter and it said, if you think this has been, if you think this decision was unfair, you can send a letter to the university and we'll reconsider. So Travis, I wrote a letter to the university and I really hope to this day, like that letter has been burned or buried or put somewhere else. <laughs> it was it was basically the biggest FU letter that has probably ever been written. And it wasn't the university's fault. It was just all of life had been piling on and, and I just it hit my, my rockets, you know? And so it was basically like, listen, you have no, oh, because they said in the letter, you don't have enough practical work experience. And so in my letter, I said, oh, really? Have you ever flown in an airplane with people's lives on the line? Have you ever been flying an airplane with ice so thick over the windshield that you're flying sideways? Have you ever had, and it just went on, (laughs) right? So they responded Um, and said, you're accepted now or? Six months later, I get a letter in the mail that says you're in for the fall. Oh, no way. It actually weren't. I was being totally facetious there. No. It, it, and, and so here's the amazing thing. So I walk into my very first class, right? And I only applied to one school, which is Northwestern. I only applied there because I was already working there. And I was like, well, I'm already here so I can go to school at night. So I walk into my very first class and there's this big buzz going on in the classroom. And it's like, oh, look, we're number one. one. I was like, what are we number one at? Because I know it's not football. It's Northwestern, right? And uh, it turned out that Northwestern University's business program was the number one ranked program in the country. And I didn't even know that when I applied. So So at first you were like, you were really upset because it was just a business program that you're trying to get into. You didn't realize that it was one that was actually pretty prestigious and hard to get into. And then you got denied and then wrote this angry letter and then got accepted because of the angry letter. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Maybe my first clue that writing was potentially a path for me. I don't know. But nonetheless... I think, and I think that the takeaway for that is, you know, sometimes in life you feel like, wow, the universe, God, whatever your word of choices is really throwing down some thunderstorms my way today. But at the same time, like was the case in this instance, sometimes you get something that you really maybe, you know, it's just unexpectedly great gratitude for the opportunity. Yeah. Right. So what do you, what do you do from there, John? Like what graduate, try to go into business, like what, what happened from there and take us from there into what happened when you were 33 and then tell us that story. Yeah. So from, I mean, when you graduate from a top program like that, honestly, it just opens up countless doors. And so I got hired by a top tier consulting company and my job for the next bunch of years was helping companies be more successful. And I was really good at it. I was paid very well for it. And I was treated very well by the company that I worked for, but I just didn't have the heart connection to the job. And I looked at people that were 10 years older and I thought to myself, all right, if 10 years from now I'm doing that, will I be okay with that? And the answer is no. Yeah, let's pause there for a second because I think that's such a huge lesson for anybody to learn in that situation. And it's really how I decided to get into online business and podcasting was when I was doing door-to-door and I looked at people who were you know, 10 years ahead of me. And I think that's just a really good place to start is just ask yourself the question, like, do I see myself being in that person's shoes? And if not, why am I still here? Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. is there something that this job has to offer that I haven't reached yet? Is there a lesson that I need to learn? Is there somebody I need to get closer to or connect with or build a relationship with? And if the answer to all of those questions is no, then you're probably doing the wrong thing. So this was obviously something that you figured out. What was the next step for you? Yeah. So uh, there was a series of events that happened, which is longer story than we probably have time to. But basically, I decided to leave it all behind. And I was poised to become a partner and the rest of that. And at the age of 32, I decided to go backpack around the world. And and the term that everybody used uh, when they heard that was, you are absolutely crazy. Like Mm. This is the kind of thing maybe you do when you're 18 or you take a gap year somewhere, but you don't leave a career and go backpack around the world. Yeah. Not at that age, but did it anyway. It, It absolutely changed my life. 
you know, I saw the world, which I dreamed about. I dreamed about seeing the world and going to Africa and seeing the animals and meeting the people and you know, hanging out in foreign countries where I didn't speak the language and getting to know the cultures. And it was absolutely life-changing. And I came back from that experience and uh, had what I call a stream of conscious typing experience, which lasted for 21 days, where a story just absolutely poured through me faster than I could even type at times. And that story became the cafe on the edge of the world. So talk to us about that book. What was the the prompt to write it? You said stream of consciousness, but does that mean that you just like got a revelation one day? Or does that mean that you were sitting down, you knew you were going to write a book, and it just seemed to come really easy for you? Yeah, more the first than the second, to be honest with you. I, when I came back from this trip backpacking around the world, my wife and I went back to where we had, we had left from, the part of the country around the Florida area. And uh, I had a guy call me and say, hey, are you back in the country? Because I need a consultant. And so I didn't have any money. I didn't know what I was going to do next. And so I took this gig. And, and on my very last flight home from this gig, I was sitting on the airplane thinking to myself, wow, this is exactly why I left consulting. Uh, and <laughs> well, you know, what do I want to do in my life? And for some strange reason, Travis, the question that popped into my head was, what would you tell someone right now is the meaning of life? Because I'd had this year of backpacking around the world, which was so much nirvana. Right. And then I went back to what I didn't like. And uh, bizarrely enough, I was stuck on the tarmac waiting for my plane to go. I had nothing to read, so I'd finished my book. And so I started writing this out. And it felt like a speech, but I wasn't a speaker. And the next morning I got up and something inside of me said, sit down and start typing. And I literally sat down and started typing I never looked at what I typed the day before. I just kept typing. And at the end of the 21 days, I printed it out, put it on a shelf, let it sit for a week. And when I came back, I read it for the first time. And literally, it's almost word for word what's in the cafe on the edge of the world. So wow. I think sometimes you're asked to be the steward of something. And I, I really firmly believe that for whatever reason, and here we are, you know, it's in 42 languages and the, the metrics you talked about at the start. For whatever reason, I've been asked to be the steward of the cafe story. Yeah, and, and I think that that is a um, good example of what a a book that has real content, I, I think, is the only type of book that can have the type of organic success that that your book had. Right there, like there's a lot of people who hit bestseller lists or sell a lot of books because they have huge marketing engines. And, and not to say that that's bad, right? But but what's interesting about your book is like what we talked about at the beginning is the word of mouth factor and the fact that it was you know spread all over the world through a lot of word of mouth and people actually enjoying the content of the book. So so tell us just a quick synopsis of that and then where we can kind of get a copy of one of those. Yeah, so the the essence of the book is the guy is trying to figure out what he wants to do with his life. He's he's 28 years old. He's he's looking basically 10 years ahead in his career and starting to wonder, wow, like maybe the next step is I move from my cubicle to an office and I go from 10 hours a day to 12 hours a day. And is that really what I want to be spending my time on? And he's just kind of struggling with these questions. And he heads off on a driving trip, gets horribly lost and finds himself at this little cafe in the middle of nowhere. And he goes inside and sits down and flips over the menu. And on the back of the menu are three questions. Why are you here? Do you fear death? And are you fulfilled? And his initial reaction is, you know, okay, wait, where am I? What the heck is going on? But he ends up talking to the people in the cafe and, and having these really incredible conversations. And by the time he leaves the next morning, he has a whole new perspective about life overall and certainly about his life in particular. And where is the best place for people to go pick up a copy of that book, John? Uh, sir, I mean, Amazon is probably the best. You can go on amazon.com and type in the cafe on the edge of the world and you'll see it. Cool. Cool. I just wanted to make sure that you didn't have a specific place you wanted people to go grab that. So that obviously sparked a writing career. What came next for you? How popular did the book become and how fast? Yeah. So the writing world is so fascinating. I've been rejected by well over 200 publishers around the world, including I actually got a rejection letter while the book was on the bestseller list. So that was really fun. 
And it just, like you said, it started organically. It was just people telling people there's something in the story. I think that makes people recognize that they're not alone. I think I was asking these questions of myself through most of my life. And I thought I'm the only one asking these questions because nobody's having these conversations. And I don't really know where to turn to have these type of conversations. But the truth is that there's so many of us that are asking these conversations in our own heads. And I think that's what the book helps people realize is they're not alone in asking these questions. They're not alone wondering if there isn't supposed to be more to life with my 28,900 days than just doing a job that I don't like and doing that until I'm 65 years old. Yeah, there's so much validity to that. And uh, maybe my my wife and I keep talking about doing a a podcast together on this exact topic. So maybe we can have you back on once we get that one off the ground and and up and running. So let's talk a little bit about what you're up to now these days, John, what what are what are some of the big projects that you have your eyes on? Uh, Yeah, so the cool thing is that first book, the one that we're talking about the cafe on the edge of the world, I'm doing a movie. And so I've just finished writing the screenplay for that. Uh, We've signed the movie deal. And so when COVID is over, we can actually start the process of casting and the rest of that. Nice. Congrats. Uh, Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I'm super psyched about seeing the cafe on the big screen because I I have the experience of working with fans when they're standing in line and they tell me their stories and what the books meant to them. And I just think the opportunity to see it on the screen could take it to a whole nother level. And it's challenging. I won't kid you that you know, it's one thing to have the experience of the story flowing through you. It's the movie industry is something totally different. So I'm definitely climbing some some obstacles. But as you talk about so often, and I so totally agree, the question in life is not how do I do something? The question is who? Who's already done it? Who's already seen it? Who's already experienced it? What can I learn from their story? How can I accelerate my my learning curve by finding the right who instead of how? Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about that. And I'm sure if you've listened to some episodes of the show, you know that uh, the question I ask to get that conversation moving in that direction is who you know or what you know, John, which of those two do you think is more important and why? Yeah, so for me, the what you know is the clarity for your own life. Like, what do I want to do with my life? What is my purpose? Um, Something that I call your big five for life. What are the five things you most want to do to your experience? And the clearer you are on that and the reason that's important is because then you can find the right who's. If I know that I want to go travel to New Zealand, I can get on YouTube and type in traveling to New Zealand. I can ask my network, do you know anybody who's ever been to New Zealand? And that applies whether it's traveling to New Zealand, opening a bakery, being a great parent or whatever. So the, the what is critical from my perspective so that you can find the right who's. And then the who's will be the key determinant in terms of how successful you are in manifesting the what. Because as we were just talking about, you know, if, if you are the only one trying to solve all these things and how do I do this and how do I do that, it will take you forever. But if you can find one good who, who can accelerate that literally by years and you apply that multiple times in your life. And that's honestly, Travis, I'm not BSing at all. That's one of the things I love about your show because every time I listen, I learn something from one of your guests and I say, that just accelerated me like a year. Yeah, right. That's the whole thing, right? Is that the, what you know is limited, Right, like mm-hmm. you can only learn or master a certain number of things. But if you know a bunch of people who've mastered a bunch of different things, then um, you can, you know, accelerate the learning curve and all of those different things by having connections to those people. So I'm, I'm curious, John, throughout your traveling, through writing books, what what are some of the top ways that you've been able to, let's say, level up the relationships, the connections that you have on purpose? Like, how do, how do you go about building those relationships better? I do my very best to give first. And so I, in general, I think people like to help other people and people really like to help other people when it's something important to them. And so, uh, you know, it's one thing when someone, someone says to you, Hey, Travis, can you help me get a job? Right. That, that has a certain energy, a certain feel to it. 
And so what I try and do is when people ask me for help, I try and narrow down like, what is it that you really want? And so I'm not really good at helping you get a job, but if you tell me what your dream job is, I will do my utmost to reach out to my entire network. So I, I try and help first and really help people understand the depth of what they're asking for and then reach out to my network or my life experience and see if I can be of value to them. A, because I love doing it. It makes me happy to do it. And uh, B, because there's always a spirit of reciprocity in this world. And you help other people. And whether it's your intention or not, like good things come back to you. Yeah, that, that's the big thing is that good things come back to you. The law, the law of reciprocity will, will, uh, will always have your back. Even if that particular person doesn't, something's going to happen and uh, you can take that to the bank. It's always been my experience and I'm sure it's been yours as well. So John, I, I got to ask you this just because I really enjoy traveling and seeing the world. You've been to a bunch of different places. You backpacked across a bunch of different continents and seen a lot of really cool things. What is top two or three places you've been and, and tell us one of your you know fun stories of traveling. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so have you been to Africa yet? I have, but not into some of like the southern parts of Africa. So we uh, only been to Morocco. In okay. Yeah. Which is an awesome country and totally highly recommend going there. Southern Africa, if you're wired that way, and by, by that, I mean, you know, if you've always had a desire to see the African animals, experience the people of Africa, I cannot highly recommend enough going through the experience of going to South Africa and taking a car and driving yourself around. The, the southern part of South Africa is just spectacularly beautiful. It's a little bit like Carmel, California in terms of the coastline, you know, like the rocky structure. And uh, there's an amazing beach there called Betty's Beach where you can uh, go and you can sit. And towards the end of the evening, the penguins literally by the hundreds and then the thousands will come ashore and walk right next to you. So I have this amazing video of my daughter and uh, she's just sitting there watching these penguins walk past her and interact. She's giggling and laughing. It's the best thing ever. And there's nobody there. It's, you know, we were like the only three people sitting there, my wife and my daughter and I watching this all happen. So Betty's Bay, South Africa. There's also spectacular whale watching there. You go to Hermanus Bay in October and in one day, I think we saw 200 whales breaching offshore. Wow. Yeah, it's just, it's the kind of place that you go there and then, you think about sort of the life you could have had if you were sitting in a cubicle and it just makes you grateful to a level you couldn't even imagine that this is going on and you get to experience it. Mm. And then I will say the experience of driving yourself on safari. I mean, I've done it both ways. I've gone with sort of a guide and I've done a walking guided tour through, you know, where you're actually walking on the ground looking for animals. But uh, the experience of driving yourself through Africa on safari in Kruger National Park is one of the greatest life experiences ever. We had this spectacular, really cool, fun story. So we First time I was there, we had uh, my wife and I were there sleeping in a little A-frame tent, just camping out in the midst of Africa. We had not seen lions. We'd been there for four days and hadn't seen lions yet. And so we woke up in the morning and we said, all right, so we're not going to focus on anything except lions, which is kind of hard to do because you see so much game and it's tempting to just stop and watch and stop and watch. But so we get up, it's 5.30 in the morning, we head out and we're looking for lions. We don't see any. And all of a sudden we see this giraffe in the distance, which is acting really weird. And we had committed to like, we're not going to stop, except we see lions. But there was just something about this. And uh, sorry, I'll, I'll lose my train of thought. So intuition, remind me, and we'll close that at the end. But so something in my intuition said, stop. And so I grabbed the binoculars, I'm watching this giraffe. And we had seen so many right next to the car, there was almost no reason to be looking through binoculars, but something said, look at this. And we're watching and all of a sudden, Travis, I see this female lioness leap at this giraffe and just haywire ensues, right? The giraffe is freaking out. I can't see what's going on. We're sitting there. 
And we wait a couple of minutes and I can see the grass kind of parting. Something is coming towards us. And I'm backing up the car up this hill. And sure enough, I stop at the top of the hill and this male lion comes out of the grass carrying a baby giraffe in its jaws. And we had witnessed the kill. The female was communicating with the male. All of this happened on that. We've got six jackals behind the car. We've got hyenas surrounding the car. And we're the only people that are watching this whole thing take place. I mean, it's just... Wow. If you're an animal person, it's something that you just don't want to miss. It's a, I've never met a person yet who didn't go to Africa, Southern Africa on safari and didn't use the words, it changed my life. Wow. You said to remind you uh, to close on intuition. Yeah. Thank you for reminding me. Uh, because I think that one of the greatest things I've learned during my time on the planet and that I would love to impart as a key piece of wisdom to younger people of all ages is that you have inside of you this incredible system of awareness where you can connect to not only the wisdom that is existing in your unconscious, but the, the wisdom that is out there overall. And the way to do this is through your intuition. And one of the greatest things that happened when I was traveling the world and you're in places where you don't speak the language, you don't know the customs, you only really have your intuition to tap into. And so I learned to tap into that very deeply during that year of backpacking around the world. And I think that's why when I came back and something said, sit down and type, and even though there was no logical reason why that was a good thing to be spending my time on, that my intuition was connected enough that I sat down and typed. I would not be where I am today. I wouldn't be having the joy of doing this interview with you had I not trusted my intuition, even when I couldn't quite understand what it was telling me or why. Well, that's just a fantastic way to end this conversation. John, thanks so much for coming on the show. Let's go ahead and move into the last segment. So I'm going to call the random round. Just quick random questions, quick random answers. You ready? I'm ready. What profession other than your own do you think that it would be fun to attempt? I would love to be an underwater cameraman for nature films, except only in warm water because I don't do cold water. <laughs> if you could sit on a park bench with someone past or present and chat for an hour, who would it be? I don't know if you didn't know the story of Milton Hershey, the guy who founded the Hershey Company, um, hmm. but he yep. lived a truly amazing life. He was a spectacular businessman, failed a bunch of times, but learned every time and grew. And he was an incredible, incredible philanthropist. And I think it would be a joy to sit with him and learn what inspired him to do the things that he did in the face of nobody else is doing this stuff. And he was so courageous about making a positive difference in the lives of others. I think it'd be awesome to spend some time and talk to that guy. How do you like to consume content? Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, videos? You know, it depends on the content. So I'd say books for vacation reading, if I'm just going to go off somewhere. Audiobooks and podcasts, definitely when I'm working out or driving. And YouTube for pure entertainment. My daughter and I are big fans of Dude Perfect. I don't know if you ever watched them. Oh, yeah. Uh, and Mark Rober. So that's like our go-to, like sit down, sit down to lunch together. We'll watch a little Dude Perfect. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. Yeah. So I have something that has really changed my life completely with my morning routine. It's the use of a mantra. So I come up with a number of years ago, I came up with five specific things that I wanted to be doing, seeing and experiencing in my life. And so before I literally take my head off the pillow, I go through the first one five times, the second one, five times, the third one. And I go through all five, five times. Um, I also do that as the last thing before I go to bed. And uh, that is an absolute, has been an absolute game changer for me. I actually picked that up on a podcast that I listened to of someone else's. So another good example of listening to someone who's a who. What is your go-to pump-up song? <laughs> My go-to pump-up song, Light em Up by Fall Out Boy. Oh, nice. What is something that you are just not very good at? I am not good at engaging in fluff small talk. Not my thing. Yeah. 
Yep. Hear that one. What, as we get everything wrapped up here, John, what's one place online where our listeners can go to connect with you the most? Yeah. Uh, really any social media channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, et cetera, at John Strelecki. And uh, certainly through my website as well. So johnstrelecki.com. So head over to johnstrelecki.com. That's S-T-R-E-L-E-C-K-Y, johnstrelecki.com. Be sure to go pick up a copy of his book. Uh, Anybody that's out there that likes to think about the meaning of life, this is going to be a really, really good read for you. John, thanks so much for taking the time to come on the show. Really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks, Trev. It's been a pleasure. Well, that's it for this episode. If you want to connect with me and other like-minded people who also listen to the show, then you're going to want to head over to travischapel.com slash group to join my free Facebook group, The Lounge. I'll see you over there. And remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.